Sorry about that, man. It's all good. It's fine. But, but uh, so what I was saying is, like, let's say I'm about to go into a new market and everything like that. What are the teams and, like, the process to kind of really jump into a new market? Yeah, I, I would say the first thing is really understanding from, uh, like, finding an agent and, and agents that are, uh, that understand short-term rentals is, is extremely important. And it's one of the hardest things to find because real estate agents historically are real estate agents. They're not investors. And if they are investors, it's very uncommon that they're short-term rental investors. So anytime you talk to a real estate agent, um, finding somebody who's short-term rental friendly is, is very, very important, but it's, it is extremely hard. Um, the, the way that I found this particular, like the Smoky Mountains in general was I had a buddy, um, who reached out and and said, Hey, I just bought a cabin in the Smokies. I do short-term rentals in this other market, but like these numbers are absolutely insane. And, and, um, I definitely recommend that you look into it. Um, and I actually essentially just said, okay, I'm going to drive up there. And I drove from Orlando up to the Smokies 10 hours stayed at one of his cabins for three or four nights, uh, linked up with a real estate agent that he had used to purchase his properties and then um, worked through that agent to, to find the lender who was going to um, essentially be able to, to get me through uh, funding the deal more or less with a vacation loan, 10% down. Um, and, and then from there, I just can continue to say, hey, I, I need to get more of these uh, and, and got a second one under contract within two weeks um, after I got the first one under contract. So I, I think it's it's difficult to find a short term rental um, friendly real estate agent. But I think it's it's extremely important to at least try to find and ask questions on if they understand what short-term rentals are and, and, uh, and how the business works. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you got to be able to run your numbers and, and feel confident in the numbers that you're running on the property. And then as long as the agent is, is able to help put together the offer continues to follow up, whatever's needed on the agent side to be able to close the deal, to help close the deal um, with the, the seller's agent, then then that's all that really matters. They don't have to know short-term rentals because as long as you feel confident in your numbers and you feel confident on whatever updates and the cost it's going to take to get the property up to whatever your standard is going to be, um, then then at the end of the day, that's, that's all that matters. So I know, like you said, that you're, so your second, uh, uh, to do a vacation home, like a second home, you put 10% down, usually your rates are pretty good. Well, how do you go about getting this, um, this, the second property? Because how would, because uh, I know like for a vacation home, it's got to be 40, uh, 40 miles from your current residence. And how did you be able to say like, hey, you're going to get two vacation properties like right next to each other? Yeah, the first one was a 10% down vacation loan. The second one was a 15% down conventional. So you can only, the the laws or regulations, whatever, you can only get one vacation home loan per market. I don't know exactly what is considered a market in the sense of like if the Smoky Mountains, like Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, um, Gatlinburg, like if those are, are all considered a market, but um, you can only get one vacation home loan per market. And then I think for vacation home loans for something that's around your personal residence, I believe it has to be like outside of 60 miles, at least 60 miles away from your personal residence, something like that. Um, so the, the first one was a vacation home loan. 
Um, and then the second one was a 15% down, just normal conventional one. Okay. And your rate was probably a lot higher. Um, 1%. Yeah. So that's... For someone who doesn't really know, talk about what, what uh, figures you kind of compute together to get that 36 on 36 ratio. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of data that's involved in the short-term rental world. Um, It used to be there were two big players where you can try to work on getting what your occupancy rates are going to be, what your nightly rates are going to be in order to to calculate what your um, gross income is going to be and then subtract out whatever expenses that you would expect to have on the property. Um, And those main two companies were called Mashvisor and AirDNA. But recently, uh, I think in the past like three months, there's a company that's called Price Labs, which is actually the software I use for dynamic pricing, uh, automatically dynamic pricing my calendars for all of my properties. And they came up with what's called a market dashboard. And because Price Labs was already intelligently pricing people's uh, calendars for hundreds of thousands of properties across the world, it had a huge amount of data to understand what are but like what are actual places getting booked at, and what you can do with this this market dashboard they created is you can pay ten dollars, and you can get a market dashboard for a, a particular address, and and you essentially plug in an address. You say, hey, I want to go five kilometers, ten kilometers uh, in radius outside of this address, and show me the data of what's possible here, and it'll tell you literally everything that you need to know every single day for the last year what occupancy rates were for any size house that you want to look as far as bedrooms go. So you can go anywhere from studio, one bedroom, all the way up to six, seven plus bedrooms. And you can dial in and and, uh, understand what did nightly rates look like throughout the year, when's high season, when's low season. And then what did nightly rates also look like throughout the course of the year? And essentially what I, what I was able to do is, is say, Hey, let me plug this into a Excel calculator that I, I created on my own look at every single month and determine based off of the data that I'm pulling and, and rough averages that are, that are very much directionally correct. Um, what I believe conservative cash flow uh, or gross income numbers would, would end up being. So um, from being able to buy that data and run the numbers, I'm, I'm able to tell fairly quick on whether or not something's going to, going to be a good investment and hit that 36% cash on cash return. So here, you know, we live in a beach area, so there's a lot of those weekly rentals around. But they also do like three to six month rentals during off seasons. So do you offer that as well? Or are you just strictly, what do you do? Weekly rentals only? Is that kind of your shortest stay? Yeah, I do between, um, I I will do one nights occasionally, not often, um, because you can get into trouble if you're, if you get guests that are there to throw a party. But typically, um, on, on all my properties, I have a three-night minimum stay. And then in the scenario that there's a, a case where there's two nights between bookings that are uh, open that would normally be blocked, then I'll, I'll typically open those up for, for two-night bookings as well. Most of my bookings right now are between three and, and eight or nine nights. Um, I don't, but I do have a three-night minimum stay, not, uh, not six, not seven, not five. And there's a couple of different reasons why you want to do that. Um, one is your listing will pop up on more searches. So naturally, if, if you limit it to only people that are searching for five nights, six nights, seven nights, your listing's not going to pop up as much. 
Um, and you also have the ability to, to really drive occupancy rates by allowing those, um, those more frequent turnovers. Um, the last three months in, in, or the last, let's say, yeah, June, July, August, I think outside of one property, I pretty much every property uh, has been at a hundred percent occupancy and it, like I'm used to having somebody check out and have it, having somebody at 10 AM and having somebody check in at uh, 4 PM or sometime after 4 PM that same day. So um, it's one of those things you just have to get comfortable with. There's going to be stuff that happens and, and whatnot where maybe your cleaners need an extra hour or whatever. And you try to coordinate with a guest uh, and, and things like that, but you just have to be uncomfortable. You have to be comfortable with, um, with having those constant turnovers um, and, and even more frequent turnovers. I think some of the months that I've had up to eight turnovers at a property um, just because it's people that are staying two, three, four nights and, and then bouncing. So is it more, is it a good business model to charge more per night when it's a shorter stay than a longer stay? Yeah. So I will, regardless of if it's a shorter stay or longer stay, I'll still charge the same amount. Um, it, the dynamic pricing software that I use, uh, uses intelligent algorithms to determine when people are looking at, for what dates, and then we'll dynamically price, um, uh, like weekdays, maybe 30, 40% less than, than, uh, weekends or like whatever I deem to be weekends. So, um, you can add all those parameters into this software if you, if you wish, but you can't, you can't necessarily say, Hey, if they're charging, or if, if I have a Monday, Tuesday available um, and they're only going to book two days and go ahead and charge them more. Typically, if some if that those two days are available in order to drive somebody to book those days, you're going to need to charge less. Um, but the, the software can automatically make those adjustments um, for you. So if they are booking um, a less number of days, I'm not charging them more to accommodate for that. Um, I, I'm letting the software determine what the, the right price is to, based off of whatever the specific day is and, and the demand for that day. Uh-uh. I know you said you have two in Smoky Mountain. How many Airbnbs do you have uh, total? Yeah, I have five right now. Oh, okay. Did, how, how long did it take you to get to five? Did you just start recently? Or? <clears throat> yeah, so 2000, August of 2018, I bought my first one. Um, and then... Sorry. I said, that's pretty good if it's already five and since 2018. Yeah. And so I bought my first one in August of 2018. And then I sat on that one for a year and a half, more or less. So in March of 20, uh, 2020 is when I closed on two more properties. So like right before COVID hit is when I closed on, on two more properties. And then um, in March of this year, I closed on my first cabin in, in the Smokies. And then April, I closed on my second cabin. Oh, wow. There you go. So how do you get your team together? Like, do you personally go down there and hire the maids and uh, the handymen? Or does that come in? Is there a software for that? You know, is there? Yeah, so there there is a software for um, for cleaning services if you're not able to find find anybody. It's called Turnover BNB. Originally, I used it for my Orlando properties. And essentially with that software, you input your um, you input your listing address and you say, hey, this is a three bedroom, two bedroom, whatever, uh, however many bathrooms. And then cleaners will actually go on there and bid for earning your like wow. services. Um, that's actually how I found my first uh, my first cleaner in Orlando. 
um, that that app it depends on the market that you have. Depend um, if you're in a, a market that's very very heavy short terminal friendly, you'll have a lot of cleaners on there. If you're in the middle of nowhere, I don't know how many people are are actually on there or cleaners that even know about that service. So um, the the other way that I found has been super effective has just been the tried and true Google search for um, short terminal cleaners uh, made services that are familiar with short terminals and what that looks like. And then looking at Google reviews, calling up three or four companies, making sure that they're familiar with short-term rentals and, and currently are cleaning multiple short-term rentals. So knowing that they have a staff that is, is more than one person that you're reliant on. So um, I did that for cleaners in, um, in, in markets. And then handyman, same thing. Like I, I'm looking at Google reviews. I'm calling up people. I'm seeing who's answered the phone. Um, I, I've also gone to properties and, and done the classic, hey, go to go to Home Depot at 7 a.m. And, and see who's there and just start talking to handymen that are there. Because if, if they're there at 7 a.m., then there's yeah. a chance that they, they may be good uh, handyman. Not always, but I'll still go look at do they have any Google reviews and, and things like that. But those are those have been the most effective ways. Um, and, and those are the two most important team members. Your cleaners are your most important team members for short terminals. Mm-hmm. But your handymen are also um, extremely, extremely important um, to be able to go fix something. Well, what about the the linens? Do you do contract out for the linens, and then the the cleaners pick them up, or how does that work? Because I know, or do people have to bring their own? <laughs> yeah, so I provide all linens uh, and everything. So it depends on the it depends on the market of what of kind of how linen services work um, and and the cleaner. But my so like the PCB condo. Um, I took over the PCV condo after COVID and the county made a restriction saying, if you are going to continue doing short-term rentals, then you have to do a full turn to get professionally cleaned linens, um, inside the property. So at that point, you just had to buy like a whole separate, uh, a second set. It was really a third set because I had a second set already in the owner's closet, but I had to buy a whole second set uh, or third set of linens. And then the cleaners would take the linens out and then bring the new ones that were professionally laundered. Um, so that that's PCB. I have a similar situation with the cleaners I use in the Smokies. They, they charge me $10 extra per clean. And I don't pay for linens at all. They provide linens for all of or for my two cabins. So they they will exchange things like if if something gets um, destroyed or, or damaged or whatever, like I'll have to pay for a replacement fee. But there was like a, a small startup cost to for them to purchase the initial set of linens, and then it was like a, I think it's a ten dollars extra cost that they add to each clean to just account for the linen service that that they do but they have all their professional machines and and all that at their um at at their headquarters uh building whatever and then in my in my properties in Kissimmee um my cleaners will clean the linens in the property between cleaning so do you do this is it full-time do you use Airbnb what do you do this is yeah, this is just a side hustle right now. So um, right now it's a side hustle. I have a full-time job still. Um, and, and mainly because I've I've wanted to make sure that I can continue to fund more deals through my W-2. Um, 
um, knowing that how difficult it is to, to fund deals once you leave the W-2. So um, right now I'm still doing every, like have a full-time job and fully operating these these five short-term rentals um, all on my own. So tell us about your, your best performing property. Which property is performing the best? Yeah, I would say uh, one of my cabins um, called Angel's Crest in the Smokies right now. It's a 2-2. Two, two. Um, over the summer, I had a 12,000 gross month, uh, 14,000 gross month. And then uh, this this last month was 11,000. And um, the mortgage on that property is two grand. Uh, all in expenses are, are like 3,500 with cleaning and, and maintenance and, and uh, that kind of stuff. So um, the cash flow has been pretty crazy uh, on that one. I, I obviously don't expect that it's the summertime, so it's high season. Uh, should be high season, at least from my understanding of the numbers I ran. Um, so that's that's not normal, and and I don't expect that to sustain. But um, right now, that's that's been uh, my other, other cabins doing very similar numbers, but it, it's been kind of crazy to see. What uh, what price did you uh, buy that property at? That one was four eighty. Um, so I got that property for four eighty, and then the other one I got for four sixty. So, do you book your own properties, or are, are you like really hands on? I know sometimes when I've done some Airbnbs, you know, like I was like directly talking to the owner, which I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, so I uh, I post all my stuff on Airbnb right now um, and manage all the communication and everything through Airbnb. So. Um, like if you go to one of my listings and, and inquire and whatnot, you're, you'll be talking to me and like, I'll get notifications on my phone. So, um, you usually have between 10 to 15 minutes a day of, of communicating with guests here and there questions that pop up, new inquiries, that kind of stuff. So what, what about your work? Do you have, do you have, do you have a worse, uh, performing property or? Yeah, I, uh, my worst performing property, and, and when I say worst, um, talking between 600 to 1100 a month in cash flow after all expenses and everything paid, um, is my three, two and a half bedroom in, um, in Kissimmee. And I wanted to buy, when I bought my, uh, I guess it would have been my third property, but my second dedicated short-term rental in Kissimmee, I wanted to test out um, something that was a little bit different. The first one that I bought was a four bedroom, three bathroom, can sleep eight people, end unit townhome that had a private pool with a lanai and everything. So it had like a nice secluded area that was private and, and really good for families. The, the three bedroom, two and a half bathroom um, slept six and it didn't have a private pool. I probably wouldn't buy another property that didn't have a private pool in Florida because that easily increases the price per night by 15 to $25, depending on the time of year. Um, and I probably wouldn't buy a three bedroom again. I would stick to, to at least a four bedroom property for, for families um, that are traveling to Disney. So um, that the property is still performing well, but um, it's, it's uh I wouldn't buy another three bedroom, two and a half bathroom in Kissimmee that that didn't have a decent sized private pool. So you work a full time job, you have five Airbnbs, you manage them yourself, and like you said, I think you manage some properties for some uh, some other people. How do you how do you find time? 
Yeah, uh, it's all about, uh, I'm an industrial engineer by trade. So um, a, a lot of my mindset and process is how do I systematize my business and, and things that I do to make my life as easy as possible. So a lot of the softwares that I use to help manage my, my Airbnbs um, and do a lot of the messaging um, have saved me a significant amount of time. Um, I also just understand fundamentally that if I want to get to where I want to go, it's going to take a little bit more effort, um, especially right now when I'm young, um, to be able to set myself up for for the long term. So um, it's a it's a sacrifice that I'm willing to make while I'm young so that um, I, I mean, at the end of the day, like I could retire today and just live off the Airbnbs that I have right now. But um, I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that I want to do uh, in my future. So I'm yeah, looking to continue to uh, really bust my ass right now, put in the time, put in the effort, systemize my process as much as I possibly can, and, and then work to continue to, like, I, I will be working to outsource things here in the near future, look for VAs and, and create super, super um, detailed SOPs that I can hand off to, to, to teams to run so I can focus on scaling the business versus working in the business as much as I am today. Um, but that's, but it, it's just one of those things that you gotta, you gotta sacrifice, um, for the now to be able to set yourself up for the future. Is there a way though, where like for Airbnbs where you're not actually doing like all the texting and everything like it, like something that sends, uh, messages to people and kind of just, cause I feel like if you're in different time zones, it'd be really hard to say, Hey, how you like it? And how, uh, how do you like it? Uh, thanks for staying with us. I feel like that would get super repetitive. That'd be really hard to keep track of unless you had like a binder. Yeah. So, uh, it is. And, um, what I would say is I did a ton of, of research before looking at actually investing in short-term rentals. And the beautiful thing about, uh, about it is there's people a lot smarter than uh, you guys and myself that have figured this out, that that's a big pain point for people that want to scale their business. And because of that, there's, um, there's like four big players in the, in the industry right now, but, um, there's softwares that have been created that link directly to your Airbnb account. And you can actually go in and, and set up all of your messaging sequences, fit like exactly when you want them to send, for what property. You can customize messages for guests. So I can say, hey, Tyler or whoever, like, they, um, looking forward to hosting you at my property in two days at this address. Here's like a, a online guidebook that I went ahead and created to give you a little bit more information about the area and the property. Um, six hours before check-in, I have a message that gives them a personalized code um, to get in the door on, on the smart lock that's at the front door. Those door codes are automated and automatically generate every time somebody books and are deleted the second that uh, they're supposed to check out. So at 10 a.m., so all these linking all these different softwares together and then spending the time on the front end to set up the messaging sequence, personalized messages. Some of these softwares even have the one I use has um, machine learning and machine intelligence to say, hey, if a common question I get at a property, which is one of my properties, a common question I get is, is can I heat a pool? So when when like you continue to get the same questions, what you can do with the software Oh, can you heat the pool? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a super common question at the, the Kissimmee property in um, near Disney World. 
And what you can actually do is with this, this messaging software, you can type in that question, like how it can be asked five different ways. And the, the software will pick up that the guest is asking this question and you can auto-generate a response to the guest wow. for whatever That's information they need. So there, a lot of, um, like I said before, a lot of what I have tried to figure out is how do I systematize my business? What softwares do I use to be able to save myself time? Because that messaging software I would say now at my scale, now it's saving me 15 to 20 hours a week easily on, on messaging and copying and pasting crap that I'd have to do. And um, I pay $10 a month per property for it. So it's like super, super cheap. And I would pay, I would honestly pay $100 a month um, to, to save the amount of time that I save. Uh, with yeah, I'll tell them that, raise the price. <laughs> So was it complicated like for somebody who's not extremely techie was that software pretty easy to set up um i would say it isn't it, it is and it isn't um so i i spent over 200 hours like writing a guide that literally says in this screen click this copy and paste this is exact message into your thing and then select which property and when you want to do it so like i i like do a step-by-step process for every single screen and every single messaging sequence if you're used to softwares and programs it's not difficult to do you may not know what sequence to put in there because it's not going to say hey put these these messages in there it's just going to enable you to be able to do that um but like in my guide i, I go into like every single message um, I set up for every property and when to send it and all that stuff and, and like show exactly where to click. Cause you can, you can look at um, and, and like talk through demos, but if you understand software, you'll be able to figure it out over time. Um, but if you don't, then, then you're going to need a little bit of guidance to, to be able to get there. Yeah. I'm, I'm not very good at software, like kind of at all. Um, but I guess so. Let's say, for instance, like someone wanted to get started. Do you have any like advice for them to try to get in the Airbnbs? Like what? Like like if I was coming to you, like Travis, I really want to do what you want to do. How do? How does that person go about doing that, knowing what you do now? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is, um, and this is this is what I see happen too often, and honestly, was a big mistake that I made early on is I was waiting to try to make uh, essentially get a home run deal right off, right out the bat. And the reality is that you don't know what you don't know until you do. And the only way you do is by actually doing. So um, the biggest thing is at some point you got to take the leap. If this is the path that you want to go down and this is what you want to do at some point, you got to pull the trigger on, on offering, getting offer accepted, getting a property set up and testing out if your theories and numbers actually turned out to be what you thought they were going to be. The reality is you don't hit a home run on deal number one, but what's important is on deal number one, you're learning the process and you're learning and and understanding the mistakes that you made on the first deal that you're not going to make on the second one and, and so on and so forth. So I think the biggest thing is analyze the property, understand the market, make sure it's a friendly market for short term rentals, if it is, pull the trigger, get the property that that like you think is going to work, and at the end of the day, test out your theories and, and see if they were right. Okay. So there is any is there anybody that's kind of regulating you? Do you have to go through any inspections or health department or? No, don't have to go through any exp- ins- uh, 
inspections or anything like that, you do have to get like a hotel uh, in every county is different. But um, in Osceola County, I'm trying to remember exactly what it's called. It's like a hotel license and something else. It's like $100 a year or something like that okay. uh, per property. But, but again, every county is a little bit different. I've never had a county actually inspect the property, though, in order to, to operate. So um, I'm not sure if that is the case in some counties. It, it may be. Um, it, but it's so county specific on what counties um, allow you to do and, and essentially what you have to do in order to operate legally. I mean, you anybody can operate illegally if they wanted to, but to operate legally in a county, every county is going to be going to be um, very different on on what the regulations are. Yeah, but most of it's like, how much do you pay me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, like our uh, our market up here, we just had Virginia Beach just actually just like outlawed Airbnb like completely. I guess like the hotels were getting waxed, so they were like, oh, we're just going to outlaw it like completely. So they, they allowed uh, Airbnbs to kind of like get grandfathered in, but the ones that they will allow new ones. So all of Virginia Beach is completely like you can't Airbnb it at all. So if so, anyone's listening, uh, you, you can look into it, but uh, yeah, Virginia Beach is pointless. Yeah, so um, and that's why I continue to say every time somebody asks me about a new market or whatever, I'm like, be super careful. Make sure you understand the laws and the regulations because there is more and more, especially bigger cities, there's more and more hotel lobbyists that are getting paid, that are paying county officials millions and millions of dollars because hotels understand that their biggest risk is Airbnbs and short-term rentals. Like they understand they can't offer an experience like an Airbnb host can. It's not even close. The price points aren't even close unless you're talking about like, if you're talking about really high end properties, then that's a, a different story, but they can't compete and they know they can't compete. So they're, the easiest thing for them to do is, is hold down their territory. And the easiest way to do that is to pay officials in the County to ban short-term rentals. So it is common. Um, and that's why you have to find, uh, you have to find counties and markets that are very, very short-term rental friendly, where the short-term rental operators are paying just like the hotels do in their taxes, um, uh, to make sure that the County gets, gets their cut. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know about the, uh, the, you having to pay the County or certain percentages. That... So yeah. something interesting that I want to make sure I bring up. So. The, the Osceola County um, tax is a tourism tax is 5%. The cool thing though that Airbnb did, um, I think last year or the year before, is they allowed hosts to pass on taxes to the guest. So in all of my listings now, I put in my, um, you're allowed to like say, hey, add a tax that I'm gonna get, like Airbnb is gonna pay me out, but I'm gonna remit back to the tax, to the, to the county. Um, and actually in Sevierville, they do it even better where I just put in my license number and Airbnb automatically pays the county. So it's, it, I don't have to pay the money at all, which is awesome. But the tourism tax in, in Osceola County, I'm able to put my license uh, number in there, or, or I forgot what number exactly I put in there, but I'm able to put my number in there. And then I'm able to add that tax to back to the guests. So I have a 5% tax that is just lumped into the big tax number that the guests pay. Um, but that's actually, it's called a pass-through tax and it, it's separated out as a separate line item on my payout emails from, from Airbnb. 
but I get that money. Um, I, I, I make that as gross income, but I'm remitting it back to the county. So even though it is a tax, I'm technically not quote unquote paying it. I'm just more or less sending it to the, the county every month. So for you to accumulate your five properties, do you just like buy one, save, buy another one? Uh, are you all like just save, put in the next one, save, put in the next one? Do you put bring on partners? Is just all you like the lone wolf is taking it on? Yeah, so um, I've been very strategic about hacking every part of my life that I can to save as much money as I can uh, with house hacking and not driving a nice car and, and all that stuff. So, um, and I'm also super fortunate to be at the right place at the right time and, and work really, really hard in my W-2 where when I was with Walmart, I was making over 350000 a year. Now I'm making over 450000 a year in my W-2. So I've been able to really fund all of the investments, but like literally everything is just being dumped into investments right now. So um, I, I've been super fortunate in, in that sense where everything that I have right now is, is 100% funded by myself. Um, but at some point, I, I will be getting into partnering and, and other things like that. Yeah, impressive. Yeah. Um, so I guess wrapping up, where can uh, people learn more about you or learn about your, uh, I get what did you say? It was like an ebook that, or the guide that you said? or Yeah. Um, so, yeah. The best place to, to reach out to me is through Instagram um, at the young retiree by 33. And, uh, and yeah, the, the guide that I have is, uh, is on there and it's, it's in the link in my bio. So um, I try to respond to, to everybody within at least 24 hours that, that reaches out as long as I'm, I'm active and, and getting on, which is, has been frequent of late. So what's, what's your, uh, what's your purpose? What's your goal going forward just to keep um, building uh, properties? What, like what drives you to just keep on going and going? Yeah, I think it's, it's time freedom really. Um, the more and more I continue to learn about, like where people are at and and getting feedback from mentors and things like that. The thing that, that I continue to hear and uh, and see is is that it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, the only thing you can't buy back is time. And I have no uh, aspirations to work for somebody else till I'm 65 years old and, and retire and then enjoy the later part of life um, when I'm not as mobile and, and whatever. So um, I, for me, it's always been being able to spend my time doing what I want, when I want, with who I want, um, and not having to answer to somebody else uh, and, and really like funding other people's dreams. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I learned, I learned a lot. A lot I did a too. Lot of software. Yeah. I'm going to have to re-listen uh, re this to make sure I got all of it. But I really do appreciate you coming on here, and uh, we'll definitely have to stay connected, and uh, I'll definitely have to keep an eye on your journey and see, see what, you, yeah. what you got going on next. Yeah, you're a very impressive young man. Yes, for <laughs> I sure. Appreciate it. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, because when Kyle and Lauren were telling me about you and telling them kind of what your story, I was like, dude, I definitely need to get this guy. Definitely yeah, no, they are uh, – they are awesome. Uh, I, I remember uh, I'm actually, I'm probably going to see them tomorrow. So I'm up in Philly, um, maybe like 20 or 30 minutes from, from their new house hack. But, uh, 
the first time I, I, I thought you were in Florida, so you live in Florida. I, I'm here for work right now. Uh, oh. this week. Yeah, so I'm in a hotel for, for work uh, right wow. now. But, um, yeah, I, I flew up here one time and, and knew they were in New Jersey, and I just randomly reached out to them, and, and we went and grabbed – uh dinner and they were just like the coolest the coolest couple down to earth like really cool people super genuine uh that yeah they're they're pretty awesome all right well again i appreciate you coming on and uh well i definitely have to keep uh keep you keep uh crap (laughs) keep uh following up with your journey absolutely no thanks guys i appreciate it have a good